All right. So sometime long ago, when I was a little whippersnapper, I did something or said something that apparently was not as cute as I thought, and my mother looked at me and she said something along the lines of, how do I put up with you? Then I did something again a little later on, and she looked at me and she goes, I pray for the poor woman that has to put up with you. So my mom was praying for you early on, Joanne, early on. Now, maybe you have heard that statement come to you, or maybe you've said that statement to somebody. How in the world do I put up with you? And maybe it's somebody who is sitting next to you right now, right? How do we do that? There are so many people in the world today, and there are people that just rub us the wrong way, and then there are people who hurt us, who do things against us. How do we put up with those people? How do we bear being with those people? And more importantly, what does God want us to do? So maybe when I was talking about this, somebody popped into your brain that you have a hard time putting up with. So what does God want you to do with that person? We're going to find that out today. But first, I want to look at Colossians chapter 3 again. We just finished looking at verse 12. And Paul said, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion. And we talked about what it meant to clothe ourselves with compassion and kindness and humility, and gentleness. And then last week we talked about patience. All right. Now Paul continues this week and he says this. Verse 13. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Now what we're going to do with this verse is start at the end and work our way back. So the last part of this verse is simple. Paul says that we are to forgive as the Lord forgave us. So how does God forgive us? Let's turn to 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. It says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So how does God forgive us? Well, if we confess our sins, ask for forgiveness, he forgives us. He forgives all of our sins. So in other words, there's never a time when we go to God and say, God, please forgive me. And he says, eh, I don't think so. Not that one. Those other two, but not three and four. He never does that. All right? He forgives all of our sins, which means that we are to forgive people all of their sins. There's never a time when someone comes up to us and says, hey, listen, I'm, I'm really sorry. I need to ask for your forgiveness. Where we go, eh, I'm not feeling it today. Right? If God's going to forgive us of all our sins, then we need to forgive others of all their sins. But there's one more thing that God does. And let's turn to Jeremiah chapter 31. And this time it's verse 34. Jeremiah chapter 31, at the end of verse 34, it says, For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. So here's the cool thing. Not only does God forgive everything, but he chooses to forget. In other words, he doesn't keep a record. doesn't keep a book. 
doesn't keep a list that he wants to pop out every now and then to remind us of all the bad things that we've done. He forgives and he chooses to forget, which means what? We have to forgive and choose to forget. We have to stop keeping track and keeping lists of all the ways that people have offended us. We have to forgive and we have to forget. Now, some of you are saying, Pastor Chris, we've heard this before. You, you talk about this a lot. I mean, do we have to hear this again? And the answer is, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we have to hear this a lot because forgiving and forgetting, that's a hard thing to do, right? And that's not just it. There's one more thing we have to do. And we see it back in Colossians chapter 3, verse 13. It starts with, bear with each other. Bear with each other. In those four words, there is one more thing that we have to do. We have to forgive because God forgives. We have to forget because God forgets. And we have to do one more thing. And we're going to find that one more thing out by going back to the Old Testament. We're going back to Genesis chapter 37 to something I like to call Jacob and the boys. And folks, we're going to read about probably one of the most dysfunctional families in the history of the world. This family is so messed up, I guarantee you, you're going to walk out feeling better about your family. I don't care how messed up you think you guys are, you're going to be like, whoa, are not like those people. All right, so this is called, I call this Jacob and the boys. It's about Jacob and his sons. And uh, what we're going to do as we read in Genesis chapter 37 is we're going to play a game called Count the Grievances. So let's put a tote board up there, okay? We're going to count the grievances that the brothers have against their brother Joseph. So let's start in Genesis 37. It says, Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. And this is the account of Jacob. Now Joseph, and this is one of Jacob's sons, Joseph was a young man of 17 who tended the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Billah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. So Joseph and his brothers don't have the same mother. It says, and he, Joseph, brought their father a bad report about them. So let's put a one up there. There's grievance number one. Joseph's a tattletale. He's a narc. That's what he is. That's what he is. He, his brothers goofed around, and what did he do? Na 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 na. I'm going to tell dad, and he did. He went back and told dad. So the brothers aren't too happy with Joseph at this point, but it gets worse because in verse 3, this is what we read. Now Israel, which is another name for Jacob, loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age. So not only is Joseph a narc, but he's also teacher's pet, right? He's dad's favorite. So how do you think the brothers feel about that? So now we've got two grievances. They don't like Joseph because A, he's a tattletale, and B, he's a brown noser. All right, let's keep moving on. Now it says that he, Jacob, made a richly ornamented robe for Joseph. So let's put a three up there. Because think about this for a moment. People weren't shopping at the malls, right? People weren't rocking the styles. So the brothers probably have some brown, dirty-looking smock that they're wearing. And here is Joseph rocking this richly ornamented robe. So now the brothers have three grievances. And again, this is what we read in verse 4. It's pretty interesting. It says, When his brothers saw 
that the father loved him more than any of them. They hated him. So there's three grievances they've got, and what do they feel? They feel hate. They're still at three. We'll get the four soon, but they're still at three. And they hate him. Those are strong words. And they hate him so much that they could not speak a kind word to him. Can you imagine that household? They're not living in a castle, folks. This is a small house. It's a big family. And they don't like Joseph. They hate him. And they can't speak a kind word. There's tension in this household. And it gets worse. Verse 5. Joseph had a dream. Joseph had a dream. You ever have a dream? We all have dreams, right? Some dreams are crazy. True story. I had this dream last week. I actually had this dream that Michael Jordan, you guys know who Michael Jordan is, the greatest basketball player of all time. Michael Jordan came to Oak Ridge. I'm not kidding around. In my dream, it's like, Michael Jordan, what are you doing here at Oak Ridge? He's like, I'm here to fix your sound system. (laughs) That was my dream. I'm thinking, okay, all right. And I woke up and I thought, I just had a dream that Michael Jordan came to church to fix our sound system. Now, that is a ridiculous dream, right? There's nothing that God is trying to tell me. God wasn't saying, hey, uh, Chris, Mike is not very good at sound. You need to go get Michael Jordan. That's not what's going on here. That was just a whacked out dream. Michael, you're doing a great job. But Joseph had a dream that had an obvious message, and yet he shared it with his brothers. And it says they hated him all the more. This would be um, grievance number four. Check this out. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. It's so weird. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around me and bowed down to it. And his brothers said to him, really? Do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. So now we've got four grievances that Joseph's brothers have against him. And it gets worse. Joseph doesn't learn his lesson. Verse 9 says, Then he had another dream. And I got to, yeah, then my wife had a dream this week. Got to tell them the, the dream that you had. Oh, it's funny. Yeah, because you listen. So last night, my wife dreams that she's over at Jeff and Louie Gilmore's house. They have a farm. And guess who's there helping them with the farm? Tyra Banks. All right, so. (laughs) It was there, though. It happened. Apparently, she's a good gardener. All right. Then he had another dream. And he told it again to his brothers. Listen, he said. I had another dream. And this time the sun and the moon and 11 stars were bowing down to me. And when he told his father as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, What is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him. Put a line through that. There we go. Five grievances. But his father kept the matter in mind. Now, verse 12, it says, His brothers had gone to graze their father's flocks near Shechem. And Israel, Jacob, said to his Joseph son, As you know, your brothers are grazing the flocks near Shechem. Come, I'm going to send you to them. Very well, he replied. So he said to him, Go and see if all is well with your brothers and with the flocks, and bring word back to me. 
In other words, go be a narc again. So put another line up there. Six grievances. Six grievances. That's a lot of grievances. I wonder how the brothers are going to react to this. Are they going to forgive Joseph? We'll see. Verse down to 17, it says, So Joseph went after his brothers and found them near Dothan, but they saw him in the distance. Okay, so Joseph's brothers see him in the distance. Now, what are they thinking? Are they thinking, hmm, we have a lot of grievances against Joseph, but we're out here in the land, the great wide open. This is probably a good time to sit down and say, Joseph, these are the things that we have against you. We're pretty upset with you. We don't like this whole dreaming thing. The special coat, you need to share it. Don't like you being dad's favorite. Let's, let's work this out. Is, is that what they do? No. No, no, no. But they saw him in the distance, and before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. Yeah, there's brotherly love. Here comes that dreamer, they said to each other. Come now, let's kill him. And throw him into one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. Whoa, they're fired up. They're going to kill him, and they're going to lie, and they're going to mock him in his death. Now, thankfully, one of the brothers has kind of a conscience. His name is Reuben, and it says when Reuben heard this, he tried to rescue him from their hands. He said, let's not take his life, which is a good start. Don't shed any blood, okay? Just throw him into the cistern here in the desert, but don't lay a hand on him. See, Reuben had this idea that he would rescue Joseph afterwards, but it didn't work out very good. It says in verse 23, So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe. Let's, let's go back to zero for a second. And instead of counting the grievances that the brothers have against Joseph, let's count the grievances that Joseph have against his brothers. And here's number one. They took his coat. His favorite coat. Have you ever had a favorite coat? Did you ever rock a jean jacket back in the 80s? Come on, let's be honest. Who rocked a jean jacket in the 80s? You weren't even alive in the 80s, man. In the 80s, I had a jean jacket that I absolutely loved. Walked around with the collar up. I had pins on it. Uh, three pins. They were all from the police music group back then. And I thought I was the cat's pajamas back in the 80s. I loved that jacket. That was my favorite jacket. So here's Joseph. He's coming down to see his brothers. He's rocking his robe. He's feeling good. And what do they do? They strip the robe from him. So that's grievance number one. Then they took him and threw him into the cistern. Now the cistern was empty. There was no water in it. Okay, what's a cistern? Well, it's a well. And this well wasn't just any well. It was 15 to 20 feet deep. Now think about this for a moment. 15 to 20 feet deep. And it says here, which is interesting, that there's no water in it. Why does that matter? Because there's nothing to break his fall. They just chucked him into this well. He fell 15 to 20 feet and hit the bottom. You think it hurt? You think maybe he broke something? Think he's bleeding a little bit? Yeah. Let's put up another grievance there. So, so far, he has lost his coat, and now he's at the bottom of the well, not feeling too good. And how much does it affect the brothers? Well, verse 25, they sat down to eat. That's how much they were upset about it. As they sat down to eat their meal, they looked up and saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead. Their camels were loaded with spices, balm, and myrrh, and they were on their way to take them down to Egypt. So Judah said to his brothers, Hey, what will it gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? 
Come, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay hands on him, because, you know, after all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood. Okay, so they're not really getting a conscience, but they're thinking, hey, we can make some cash. All right, so verse 28 says, So when the Midianite merchants came by, his brothers pulled Joseph out of the cistern. Now, you got to be Joseph again. Your coat's been stolen. You're hurting at the bottom of the cistern, but your brothers have come to their senses. Here come the ropes. They're going to pull you out. They're going to rescue you. They're going to apologize. No. They sell him. They sold him for 20 shekels of silver to the Ishmaelites. That's grievance number three. He's just been sold into slavery. He was a free dude. Dad's five favorite. Had the coat. Had everything. Now he has no coat. He's beaten up. And now he's a slave. And they take him to Egypt. That's grievance number four. He's taken far away from home. All right. Now, we're going to skip down to verse 36 because it says, Meanwhile, the Midianites... Then take Joseph and they sell him again to Egypt and to Potiphar in Egypt, one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard. So that's another grievance here. Now he's been sold twice. Twice. How are you feeling if you're Joseph? Not too good. Now, I want to encourage you to read some of these other chapters, but I'm going to skip on ahead. What you need to know is that Joseph made the best of a bad situation and he worked really hard for Potiphar, so hard that Potiphar is like, hey, you can be in charge of my whole household. So Joseph is now in charge and that's a good thing except for the fact that Potiphar has a wife and Potiphar's wife is very attracted to Joseph. So she comes on to him, but Joseph being the godly guy says, nope, runs away. So Potiphar's wife goes to her husband and lies and says, that guy, Joseph, he attacked me. So Potiphar's got to back up his wife. So he throws Joseph into jail. So now Joseph's in jail and he's got plenty of time to think. Who do you think he blames for being in jail? His brothers, grievance number six, right? I mean, if he hadn't thrown them into the well, if they hadn't sold him, they'd just been kind... No, he's in that jail because of his brothers. Now, let's go to Genesis chapter 45 because what happens is again, Joseph makes the best of a bad situation and he gets to work for Pharaoh and Pharaoh puts him in charge of all of Egypt because there's going to be a famine. So now picture this. Joseph is now in charge of all of Egypt. And there is a famine in the land. And it's so huge and so far-reaching. Guess who's hungry and guess who needs food? Joseph's brothers. And guess who they've got to go to to get the food? Joseph. And so they go to Egypt. But here's the neat thing. They don't recognize Joseph. You see, the Egyptians and the Israelites had a different way of taking care of themselves. The Israelites were into having facial hair and all that. Uh, The Egyptians, not so much. They were really into shaving and they dressed differently. And so even though Joseph recognized his brothers, they still looked the same. The brothers did not recognize Egyptian Joseph. Okay? So some things happen, some things go on. But then we're going to go to Genesis 45 because Joseph is about to let his brothers know who he is. 
Genesis 45, verse 1. Then Joseph could no longer control himself before all his attendants. And he cried out, Have everyone leave my presence. So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him and Pharaoh's household heard about it. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. Now think about this for a minute. So Joseph's brother's grievances were this. He narked on him. He was the favorite. He wore the nice coat. He had some crazy dreams. And what did they do? They wanted to kill him. They sold him into slavery. That's their response. What were Joseph's grievances against his brothers? They sold him into slavery. They took his coat. Because of them, he went to prison. So they're sitting there thinking, uh-oh. Uh-oh. They're so scared, they can't even talk. And then here's a, here's a line I think is really funny. It says, verse 4, Then Joseph said to his brothers, Come closer to me. <laughs> you can almost see the brothers huddled together kind of shuffling. <laughs> when they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here. Because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now there has been famine in the land. And for the next five years there will not be plowing and reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So then it was not you who sent me here, but God. He made me father to Pharaoh, lord of his entire household and ruler of all Egypt. Now hurry back to my father and say to him, this is what your son Joseph says. God has made me lord of all Egypt. Come down to me, don't delay. You shall live in the region of Goshen and be near me. You, your children and grandchildren, your flocks and herds and all you have. I will provide for you there because five years of famine are still to come. Otherwise, you and your household and all who belong to you will become destitute. You can see for yourselves, and so can my brother Benjamin, that it is really I who am speaking to you. So tell my father about all the honor accorded to me in Egypt and everything you have seen, and bring my father down here quickly. Then he threw his arms around his brother Benjamin and wept, and Benjamin embraced him weeping. And he kissed all his brothers and wept over them, and afterwards his brothers talked with him. Isn't that an amazing example of forgiveness? He forgave, he forgot, and Joseph did one more thing. What did he do? He moved on together with his brothers. Think about that for a moment. What if he had said to his brothers, hey, listen, here's the deal. I forgive. I forgive what you guys did. And I'm going to forget it. But uh, see you later. I'm shunning you. Good luck finding food. What would be the point of that? 
right? What would be the point of God saying to us, hey, listen, here's the deal. I'm going to forgive you. I'm not going to make a list. I'm going to forget. But as far as I'm concerned on this earth, you're on your own. Figure things out. He didn't do that, did he? God said to us, I'm going to forgive everything you've done. I'm going to forget it. And I'm going to move on with you together. This relationship I want to have with you is going to be healed. And we're going to work together until I bring you home. Folks, that's what God wants us to do. The people that came to your mind, the people that you have to put up with, the people that have hurt you, God wants you to forgive them. He wants you to forget. And he wants you to move on together. He wants your relationships to be healed, your marriages, your families, this church to be healed. We are supposed to send a message to the world that doesn't know Jesus that when someone harms us, we forgive, we forget, and then we don't shun them. We come together in healing and we move on together. That's what God wants us to do. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, okay, well, Pastor Chris, what if, what if I want to move on, but that other person doesn't? Well, Romans chapter 12, verse 18 answers that. Paul writes, If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. So in other words, okay, fine. You forgive, you forget, and you say to this person, and listen, I don't want to blow you off. I don't want to shun you. You're not dead to me. I want to work together and heal our relationship. And they say, nope. Well, you've, you've done your part, right? You've done your part. So this is what I want you to do for next steps. I want you to think about that person that came to your mind, or maybe someone else has come uh, to your mind, someone that um, you need to forgive, and you need to forget about what they did, and you need to move on with them together. And pray that God will give you that opportunity. Pray that God will give you the strength and that ability because that's what God wants us to do, folks. He wants us to have healthy relationships. Because that's what you need. That's what this church needs. And that's what our world needs to see. Forget, forgive, move on. 